1: And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, October the 24th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. On October 24, 1945, the United Nations officially came into existence. Its charter took effect. They were in business. The world began to harvest, particularly the third world, to harvest resources and much money from the United States. Today in 1861, the first transcontinental telegraph message was sent by Chief Justice Stephen uh, Field of California. It was sent from San Francisco to President Abraham Lincoln in Washington, D.C. It was sent over a line built by Western Union Telegraph Company. Today in 1940, the 40 hour work week went into effect under the Fair Labor Standards Act of 1938. As many of you know, I grew up in the orchards of Central Washington. That's what my dad did. And some years later, as a kid, a teenager working in the orchards, this message, this 40-hour week thing, that never did get to the places that I was. 40-hour, 40-hour work week was taking time off to do something else, I kind of remember like 60 hours a day, especially during harvest. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm confused. Maybe I don't remember. Maybe I have a Biden syndrome here. But it seems to me that I don't remember very many 40-hour work weeks. But it did go into effect under the Fair Labor Standards Act today in 1940. Today, in 1952, Republican President Candidate Dwight D. Eisenhower declared in Detroit, I shall go to Korea, as he promised to end the conflict. He made the visit just over a month later. Today, in 1962, a naval quarantine of Cuba ordered by President John F. Kennedy it went into effect. That was during that missile crisis. Today, in 2002, authorities apprehended John Allen Mohammed, and a teenager Lee Boyd Malvo near Myersville Maryland you'll remember this because this was in the Washington DC area they were doing these sniper attacks Malvo was later sentenced they had a I think they were in a van as I recall I, I believe it was a van anyway they were in a vehicle and they had a hole they had drilled a hole in the back of it that you could see but I mean normally you wouldn't notice it and one of them would would lay in the back there and, and And they could see out this hole, and they had a gun, and they would just randomly shoot people in parking lots. And people, you know, I mean, for a while, there were days I remember that nobody knew exactly what was happening, or there was no rationale to it, it was just random. And eventually, uh, obviously, they were caught. And uh, Malvo was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. But Maryland's uh, highest court has said that they're going to reconsider that sentence in 2022. I don't think they have yet. I haven't seen it in the news, so they don't have a lot of time to reconsider it. But Mohammed, he was sentenced to death and he was executed in 2009. But that was a terrifying event and people for the, for the people in the area and because they just couldn't figure out the, why they were doing this in the first place and then where it was going to happen next. It was just random. So. Unfortunately, that's the world we live in today. In 2020, today, heavily protected crews in Washington State. They attacked, not other people, but they attacked and worked to destroy the first nest of these so-called murder hornets discovered in the United States. I think those hornets, were they not from China? I, I believe they might have been. Anyway, today, 2020, They went on the attack, Washington State went on the attack of the murder hornets. I've seen some pictures of them. I don't know if the pictures have been exaggerated or if they, I mean, they look awfully big, those murder hornets, and I hope they get all of the nests, and they're still working on that. It's in the news from time to time. Senator Patty Murray, she she touted her support for the so-called Inflation Reduction Act yesterday, on this uh, debate with Republican Tiffany Smiley. Tiffany Smiley is putting her through the paces. I don't know if Tiffany Smiley is going to win, but there are polls that are showing that it, it's kind of a toss-up right now, and and it's within the margin of error. So it, it, an interesting thing, Murray has such an elitist. She and Cantwell, really, but Murray is such an elitist. I mean, she just feels like the entitlement of her almost – it's not an elected office. Almost, I mean, this is the impression I get. I don't know Patty Murray, but I get the impression that there's this entitlement. It's like, well, of course, you know, I am the queen, kind of thing. But people are challenging, and this Smiley is really challenging her. She says uh, she put her through the uh, pretty tough paces in this in this um, uh, in this debate. Uh, Smiley said Mur- Murray's support sounds like Washington, D.C., like an answer of, of what from Washington, D.C. to me. She says, uh, she says this is a 30-year, 30-year incumbent. She said you are Washington, D.C. And Senator Murray stood with Joe Biden with the Inflation Reduction Act, said this is going to help us, Smiley said. And she said, quote, don't be deceived by the name. It does nothing to combat inflation. In fact, it raises taxes on all of us. Well, she's right. It does. Nobody thinks it works, really. Smiley also slammed Murray on other issues that are hurting the economy, pointing out that Murray voted for the 87,000 IRS agents coming after our small business owners, hardworking Washington families. She She said that Murray was the deciding vote on the excise tax on natural gas. She said, you'll see your energy prices go up. Again, she's right. Economists, even liberal economists, have spoken out against this massive level of government spending done by the Democrats. It's fueled the inflation crisis, and now they're saying they're going to spend more money to fix the inflation. I mean, a fifth grader, if they thought about that, could figure out, hmm, how does that work? Well, it doesn't work. That's the problem. Smiley also called Murray the face of big government. Polls, as I said, are showing that Smiley is pulling within the margin of error, so who knows what can happen. On that front, as we move closer and closer to election day, which we now have election season. I don't like that. I like election day where everybody kind of votes on the same day and they go to the poll. I understand the problems with that. I still prefer it personally. That's probably because I'm over 40. But I do. And I think that it just solves a lot of problems. But anyway, we still have election day. That's when they start counting, publicly counting the votes, and reporting on them. But nonetheless, I, any anything can happen. I mean, who, who knows? But it's a very tight race by all accounts. So we shall see. In Britain, they're having some issues there. In, I think it's 49 days, they've had three prime ministers. They elected this, this one prime minister, and everybody was pretty excited about it because she was very uh, conservative, truly conservative. But the Conservative Party has kind of ousted her. I guess she was too conservative. And now they've put this guy in there. He's a former uh, finance minister, this Reishi Sunak. And he is best known for signing a bunch of checks during the mega-money lockdown. And uh, he's the third prime minister in 90 days. But I think it's been about 49 days from what I've been reading. I was kind of following that somewhat. He also will be the youngest prime minister of the United Kingdom in over 200 years, and the country's first non-white prime minister. His family is from India, and he is. Uh, they conservatives in in the UK are different than the conservatives here. I mean, they have different. I mean, I, I I hope they're different. Maybe they're not, but they they're not a classic conservative as we would think about conservatism. And so um, the Conservative Party, I guess, is kind of behind this ouster because she was too conservative. From what I can gather, I haven't studied it, but I've, I've been reading a few of the headlines and stuff. But um, Nigel Forage, he's a guy that you might see on Fox News. I mean, he's on there quite a bit, actually. He's on with Hannity and Tucker Carlson and some of those guys. And he shows up quite regularly. He's He is very conservative, as we would uh, we would see conservatism, but he he tweeted this morning after all this happened that this guy that they put in to replace Liz Truss, uh, who was ousted really uh, politically. So uh, this guy uh, Nigel Farge, Farage is reacting to that this morning with a tweet. He said the ERG cannot support any candidate because, as I said last week, the globalist coup has succeeded. There is no conservative party. It is dead. Well, (laughs) that's sad. But in America, there's a little bit different tone politically. And things seem to be changing a bit, or possibly changing a bit in America. And I want to talk a little bit about some of the things that we see moving in the right direction today. But I was reading earlier this morning from Psalm the psalms and let me share a couple of verses with you in psalm 70 David writes with some urgency he says make haste o lord to deliver me make haste to help me o lord let them be ashamed and confounded that seek after my soul let them be turned back backward and put to confusion that desire my hurt he begins psalm 71 with this, in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Deliver me in thy righteousness, and cause me to escape. Incline thine ear unto me, and save me. Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. Thou hast given command, commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. That is the word of the Lord. We live in a very confusing time. Where conservatives aren't conservative, black isn't black, it's white, good is evil, evil is good, sweet is sour, and sour is sweet, you know what I'm saying. Up is down, and down is up, and so on. And that's the way the world is rolling right now. But in the midst of all of that, there is some good news that's emerging. It would be a good, good news for many in Washington State if Patty Murray was retired, following this election. We'll see what happens. But it's interesting in the in the in the midst of, of sinking a sinking culture there are some good things that are happening. You have to look for them because overwhelmingly things are not going well. But in this there are some signs. Let me talk to you a little bit about that. In the most negative sense, you have to look at the negative to see a little bright spot here and there and a little light that's been turned on. But NBC News and the far, far left team, the activists, they've teamed up to take control of the school boards now. You say, well, that's not good news. Well, it's driven by good news. NBC News said yesterday in a featured story that liberal parents are joining the school culture wars, but conservatives are way ahead. That's good news. Multiple progressive groups are campaigning for school board candidates and training parents to become activists, says NBC, the Peacock. But conservatives have a head start. They're concerned about it. With considerable concern, NBC warns the nation that the conservatives are taking over and how so-called progressives need to get in the game. In other words, this was a call to action, asking people to heed the call. The conservatives are going to take over our schools, and they're going to change them. That's good news. This is a call to action. Of course it was given under the guise of news. It always is. It isn't news, not at all. It's political rhetoric. It's a call to action by the left. There is no way that you can honestly describe this as news. But they do. NBC News had this to say. Liberal parents concerned about their rights increased, focused on school board elections are ready to fight back. But, (laughs) sad face here, but they face obstacles of fundraising and organizing with little national support. The Patty Murries of this world... Cantwell's and others, they're not interested in this yet. They're not pushing that. They're pushing the the Inflation Reduction Act, which is anything but that. But some far left, like NBC News, is waking up to this. Over the past year, they say, dozens of progressive activists, organizations, and political action cam- committees have launched or reoriented themselves to counter- conservatives who have brought the fight over culture war issues to board school board races across the country. These liberal groups, including Red, Wine, and Blue, never heard of it, but I guess it's out there. It's a national effort. The Florida Freedom to Read Project, I have heard of them, which two Florida mothers, NBC says, formed to combat book bans. And there's another group, Defense of Democracy. It was started by two mothers in Fishkill, New York, they were unsettled or upset about why they saw what they saw as Christian nationalists targeting school boards. They'd begun endorsing candidates, distributing campaign signs, training parents to speak out in support of diversity programs, transgender accommodations, and books about racial conflicts and LGBTQ issues. These people, that's how they define education is diversity programs, transgender accommodations, and books about racial conflicts and LGBTQ issues. Do you think that's having any effect on the effectiveness of education in America? You can bet your ranch that it is. This morning, there's a report out, an urgent report, Associated Press has got it all over the place, and there's TV stations in the area here in the Northwest and elsewhere that are running it, and they're talking about it. The story starts, this is produced by Associated Press, The COVID-19 pandemic spared no state or region as it caused historic learning setbacks for Americans' children erasing decades of academic progress and widening racial disparities, according to results of a national test that provide the sharpest look yet at the scale of crisis. Across the country, Associated Press tells us, math scores saw their largest decreases ever. Reading scores dropped to 1992 levels. Nearly 4 in ten eighth graders failed to grasp basic math concepts. Not a single state saw a notable improvement in their average test scores, Which simply, uh, with some simply trending, treading water at best. Those are the findings from the National Assessment of Education Progress, known as the nation's report card, which tested hundreds of thousands of fourth and eighth graders across the country. It was the first time the test has been given since 2019, and is seen as the first nationally representative study of the pandemic's impact on learning. Now, I'm not an intellectual, and I don't sit on high boards in high places, but I will tell you a, a good deal of what they just said is a lie. And I'll tell you why it's a lie. It's a lie because <clears throat> I think those statistics are correct. There, There is a slide, a slippery slope slide in public education. It is going downhill at increasing speed, and they are blaming it all on COVID. Now, Obviously, COVID had an impact on every part of our culture. It had an impact on families, on elderly, on kids. I mean, certainly it had an impact on schools. I'm not suggesting it didn't have. But I am suggesting, and I feel very strongly about it, that this they are t- seizing the moment and they're trying to blame what they've been doing in education since they started taking prayer out of schools. They started kind of poo-pooing the Pledge of Allegiance. They started diminishing the flag of America and and taking God and country and and the founding principles of this country and pushing them aside. Throwing the statues in the in the river, the lake, or whatever to get rid of them the, of people they don't like from his history. They started revising history. They started coming out with all of this this new agenda, pretending like all of the past didn't happen, do you think that hasn't had an effect on public education? Absolutely it has. They know it, but they won't, for a moment, they won't admit it. I believe that math scores across this country saw their largest decreases ever. I do not believe that the pandemic is fully responsible and that's what Associated Press is telling the nation today. And these little reporters around here in these little markets around the country and big markets as well, they just read the words they with great concern and great affirmation and kind of a frown and, and concern that for America and we've oh we've got to work together. We gotta to get a hold of our our educational system and we've got to be in charge. We've got to get more progressives in there because these Christian nationalists are going to take over our schools and they'll run the school. They'll get on the school board. That's what's happening. But here's the good news. It is happening. The left didn't even pay any attention in the past because we weren't that concerned as conservatives and Christians. Now our concern has risen and caused their concern to rise as well. In this survey, this massive survey, really, that Associated Press is talking about this morning, researchers, they say, usually think of a 10-point gain or drop as equivalent to roughly a year of learning. So some of the numbers they came up with shows that we have lost, the progressives have caused us to lose progress of more than a year in several occasions. There's a whole lot in that survey. I don't have time to go through it. But it so relates to what I'm talking about this morning. I had to share it with you. It just came out, I mean, just a couple of hours ago. But they're looking to recapture their territory, and they feel it slipping away, maybe like Patty Murray feels when she goes home from a debate like yesterday. The truth is, parents have become deeply concerned about education. Public education, their unions, they've stolen the minds of America's youth by indoctrinating them with far-left social and moral issues. They're spending all their time teaching these kids how to be activists, how to walk out of class. They say, junior, and, you know, sissy or whatever. Here's the door over here. If you walk out that door, I can't stop you. I'm not telling you to do it, but if you do it, you can go out on the street and the news will come and they will cover you. They, they actually teach kids this. I've read accounts of parents that have, have stumbled into this, and they've said there's portions of, of class time that teaches the kids how to be activists, and they call it civics or whatever. But it isn't just being activists, it's an activist for a far-left destructive cause that touches every part of the life of America and the life of the family. This article is not NBC's first outing. They've been trying to get the attention under the guise of news for some time. Back in July of 2021, just over a year ago now, the news organization, NBC, organized uh, the organization. They quoted Jonathan Friedman in in an article that I read, and I I pulled it up. I'd saved it. He's a director of free expression and education at Penn America. It's a free speech advocacy group. He said, it's highly alarming that educators are resigning, facing dismissal, and fearing for their lives due to conversations about racism and diversity. Why would that be? Well, he answered the question. He said, there is great risk that a creeping sens- uh, censoriousness, uh, talking about censorship, will overtake our public schools, purging them of a diversity of teachers and talent and winnowing the critical lenses through which young people should be encouraged to view history and society. Well, what they're encouraging them to, the lens they're looking for, is to look at the lens of progressivism, which denies our founding fathers' principles and values because they're Judeo-Christian, and it denies conservative principles in government. It denies freedom. It denies we the people. Of course they don't want that taught, because it ruins their power base. That's what's going on in America today, and they're concerned about it. NBC was waving the flag, saying, hey, guys, we got a problem a year ago over this matter. NBC story was, in their mind, critical race theory battles are driving frustrated, exhausted educators out of their jobs, they said. To the indoctrinators... Anyone who disagrees with their far-left agenda must be labeled as something or someone to be feared and canceled. That's what they always do. Whether it's being called a fundamentalist because you agree with the fundamentals of the faith, a bigot because you challenge false narratives, or a homophobe because you denounce sexual sin. This is all biblical. The goal of name-calling is always the same, to silence those with opposing views. Whether it's a kid on a playground or whether it's the President of the United States. The real debate is over obeying God and his principles. Many want the freedom to do what they want, when they want, how they want, and to whom they want without any moral restraint. In Psalm uh, 12, verse 8, in in a modern version, it says, The wicked freely parade and prance about while evil is praised throughout the land. Does that sound familiar? While the evil is praised throughout the land? President Biden told the transgender over the weekend on some kind of a podcast or something, I just saw it a few minutes ago just before I came on the air. I'm going to look into it when I get off the air this morning uh, in a couple of minutes. And I'm going to look into it. I'll probably mention it tomorrow on the program I couldn't hardly believe, and maybe I misread, so I, I shouldn't say too much about it, but I'm going to take a look at it. If, if it's what I think I read just minutes before saying good morning, uh, I will mention it tomorrow because it was, it was just chilling. I, I mean, it's just unbelievable. But the false prophets that these people are projecting, and they're calling Christian nationalists false prophets, they're not the people that are trying to destroy America. I went on their website. It's a website uh, given to the religious left, and it says, Christian nationalism poses a grave threat to the democracy, the church, and the common good, and grassroots Christians are sick of seeing false prophets distort the gospel for their agenda of hatred, power, and division. They're talking about conservative Christians. The false prophets, on their website, they show pictures of them without their name on them. I saw Franklin Graham... I saw Tony Perkins and several others that I have, I recognize, some of whom I know. These are not false prophets. These are people speaking God's truth to the culture. And these people are trying to categorize them as false prophets twisting Scripture when they are the false prophets twisting Scripture. That's how confusing our world is, and that's why there was some urgency. When the psalmist wrote, "God, please help me, and please come in a hurry. I need, I need your help." The left always declares themselves to be victims when they're trying to victimize another people group. In this case, Christians and conservatives. This Litman, Amanda Litman, a Democrat ca- campaign strategist and co-founder of Run for Something, she's out there now trying to create and trying to recruit board members all across America. She said, but we have a big fight ahead of us. It's not even apples to apples, she said. It's apples to apple seeds. I hope she's right, and I hope the seeds never get planted. But that's just a look this morning at what's happening in our education system. That's why I feel so strongly that we have to look for alternatives to public education. Thanks for being with me today. Thank you for your support.